Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Hey everyone, I'm Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, live from Sirius XM today. There is breaking news out of Israel right now, where it appears the beginnings of what could turn into a regional war are unfolding. Hezbollah has reportedly opened up an attack on Israel's northern border. This is the situation many had feared and predicted. We brought to you the other day the former Israeli ambassador's uh, prediction, Michael Oren, that this would lead to regional war. That certainly as Israel started to consider a ground invasion into Gaza, Hezbollah might be tempted. Other radicalized um, Palestinians and Arabs in the area might be might might be provoked into getting involved. And this is not what anyone wanted, but this is what Hamas's actions have led to. The New York Times is reporting right now that Israeli security officials have issued multiple alerts saying, quote, a hostile aircraft has entered the country and ordered citizens across the north of the country to reinforce shelters. In other words, it appears that Hezbollah has entered via the air uh, and that Israel is ordering its citizens in the north to enter this, the reinforced shelters. The Israeli military called this a suspected infiltration from Lebanon. We are monitoring this. If this is true, the stakes have just gone way up in this conflict. And we will bring you more as we get it. This literally is just breaking moments before we got to air. In the meantime, in recent days, it seems like a seismic shift has taken place as the world's eyes are opened finally, to what many had already seen, and that is the depths of anti-Semitism in our own country and around the world. It is stunning. You know, being left is one thing. Being a committed leftist is one thing. Being an open anti-Semite is quite another. And the, the, the amount of anti-Semitism being displayed proudly is absolutely stunning. It really is disgusting. Never again. If you've ever been to a Holocaust memorial, if you've been to Auschwitz, if you've been to Dachau, you'll see that there. Never again. Never again. In all the different languages. This was a slogan associated with the lessons of the Holocaust. And yet here we go again. The hatred of Jews, the massacre of Jews um, and for the state of Israel runs so deep that a sitting U.S. congresswoman cannot even condemn terrorists. Forgive me for the casual reference here chopping off the heads of babies when confronted by a reporter. I mean, think about that. Think about that. I don't care what your policy is. You say no comment when you, when you get confronted in the halls of Congress by a reporter. By the way, it was a Fox News reporter. It's not some random. You, you, co you comment. You comment on that. It's not hard unless you have something in your heart that you don't want us to see. We've long known about Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib's defense of the Palestinians. She is the daughter of Palestinian immigrants. That doesn't necessarily make you pro murder of children, but in her case, it appears to. She's also a mother. She's a mother of two children, which makes this exchange with Fox News's Hillary Vaughn even more alarming. Do you condone what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street. You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off? No. 
Congressman, why do you have the Palestinian flag outside your office if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel? Do Israeli lives not matter to you? This is the same woman who was crying a couple of years ago about children being separated from their parents at the southern border. That was 2019. She was in tears, crying. Oh, she was so sad for the children. But heads chopped off. That's just fine. Doesn't even fucking sorry. Warrant a comment. Forgive me. Given that exchange, it shouldn't be any surprise, I suppose, that in the Congresswoman's home district last night, some 1,200 people gathered for a rally in support of the free Palestine movement. Some of us offer our prayers for the, the murder victims in Israel and others gather like they did here to celebrate Palestine at this moment. There, some did did manage a word for the civilian lives that have been lost. But one of the speakers named Amer Zaher offered this take. When you go to a Black Lives Matter rally, you see Palestinian flags. When you go to a white supremacy rally, you see Israeli flags. This is not complicated. Let's get to America's top colleges and universities. What's happening there is absolutely horrific. I cannot believe that these this number of hateful, dumb students have infiltrated our top universities coast to coast. The list of student groups now issuing support for the terror group Hamas continues to grow. Okay, Columbia, Northwestern, Stanford, NYU, to name just a few. At NYU, the president of the Student Bar Association writing in a memo, quote, I will not condemn Palestinian resistance and, quote, Israel bears full responsibility for this tremendous loss of life. Full responsibility for the murder of their own babies, for the elderly women shot at the bus stop, for the 85 year old who was murdered. And then the Hamas terrorist posted it on her Facebook page so her family would see it. This student who happens to go by they them pronouns because these people always want attention uh, has now lost out. Thank God on a job offer at Winston and Strawn, a very respected law firm in Chicago. And good for Winston and Strawn. She was a summer associate last year. She was obviously part of their diversity hire. She was, she, check out her page. I mean, she's a, a part of all the groups and wanting you to know it. And they should have done a simple Google search because this woman becoming a problem would have been obvious to them long before they offered her the summer associateship. Thank God they pulled her permanent offer. She was about to complete her third year at NYU and return there as an associate. I don't think this woman could even pass the ethics piece of the bar. There's an ethics piece of the bar that tries to prevent hateful people like this woman, Rhina Workman, from making it as a lawyer, from getting. You can't stop the JD, but you can stop the admission to the bar. And that's actually what should happen to her next. Joining me now, Glenn Beck, host of the Blaze TV's The Glenn Beck Program. Glenn, welcome back to the show. I I know it's not about the college students, but the hatefulness of this group of young people, according to a report that posted on Mediate just yesterday, they were they were citing a poll. Only 32 percent of 80 of 18 to I think it's 32 year olds believe that Hamas has targeted civilians. Only 32 percent. These young people are idiots and they're all over our top institutions as, quote, the next generation of leaders. Let's just table that for one second, because the big news right now is Hezbollah and whether a new front just opened in the north of Israel with an incursion from the north. Your thoughts on it? Uh, we are headed for not just a regional war, but I believe we're headed for a global war. You can't have Hezbollah 
in the north, Hamas on the south, and what will be the IRGC coming in from the Syrian side, um, it's going to overwhelm um, Israel. And I, I honestly, it will take a miracle to keep us out of World War III, I think. However, um, miracles have happened with Israel over and over again. So there's a, a few things I, I've been listening to your monologue and I, I, I want to address. First of all, um, this is a in in some dark way a blessing if we look at it this way. This is the first time in human history that I know of somebody has said who they are and then proven it. Hitler, when he said, I'm going to kill all the Jews, it was in print. It was everywhere. But nobody wanted to believe him because it was too horrific. He even tried to cover it with a final solution and then cover it at the end. He didn't want to be known as that guy. So we didn't know. This time we know. They say it's not. it is not about a second state. It is about killing the Jews, period. We know what they say. We know what they do. They put it on social media. They wanted the world to see it. So this goes into not only who Hamas is, but who is Iran, who is Hezbollah, who is the RIGC, who is Black Lives Matter? Yeah. Who are the people that are in our own Congress, in our own schools that are endorsing this or turning a blind eye? This is where the blessing comes in. This, I think, is one of your last chances to actually get off of that death train and step on to a platform of truth. There is good and evil, and it is clear. I don't care. I don't care what um, you know was done to done to let's say us in World War II. If if Americans would have been the ones that were tortured and and killed the way they were in the death camps, I still wouldn't be for going in and shooting German families in their homes and killing their children. That would make us evil so no matter what's happened to you it never excuses you killing families and children knowingly it's not like dropping a bomb and your all your guys happen to be hanging out by a school yep that's unfortunate i don't like that nobody wants that but that is war you went in intentionally to kill civilians to rape women and to kill babies that is as evil as it gets, and that evil is the same evil that says, hey, shout your abortion. It is the same evil that says whites are inferior and they need to be taught a lesson. What happened with Hamas is exactly what will happen, and they are for it, as you saw out of Chicago, exactly what will happen if these radical groups like BLM are in charge or allowed to fester and grow. They are a death cult. This is all about a death cult. It's interesting to me that if somebody 200 years ago did something like this, which we all now say is horrible, we have to pay for it. But if somebody does something today to Jews, I guess it's okay. So first thing to remember is this can be a blessing to us because we actually can see it we hear them, we see them, we can recognize evil. Make sure you're on the right side.
The second thing that I think um, comes out of this is an understanding that at least a regional war, I believe this is going to turn into the global war, um, is coming. So you not only have to know who your friends are, know what side you're on, but you also have to now look at the border because we have what probably is in the thousands of enemies of America. You can't tell me that they're, they're not sleeper cells in Judea and Samaria, and you can't tell me that there's not sleeper cells here now in America. When, if we get into a global war, the world and the world as we know it in America is going to change. So the best thing that you can do is know what side you're on. There's no neutral here. There's, if you're neutral, you're going to end up on the wrong side. You have to look this in the eye. You have to decide who you are today. Then you have to actively get involved by doing good and being a voice of reason, not of chaos, and stand for the things that, honestly, if you just are a political person, just dedicate yourself to doing everything you can to make the people like Rashid Tlaib Make sure they're not elected again. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they that you've done everything in your power to make sure that that this philosophy is flushed down the toilet as it should have been a long time ago. Make sure you're working for a, an election where things will change, because what you're seeing now is such an incompetent president. He has screwed this country up so many different ways. We're an unprepared military, gas prices. We go to war, gas prices will easily be $10 a gallon. There'll be shortages of things because he has screwed us um, in the end. Um, but you look at this, we're a nation that is unprepared for war for the first time in my lifetime. We are sitting back the way we were uh, maybe right before World War One. That's not a good place to be. A moment on the BLM thing, because it really is telling. So BLM Chicago posts, they post a picture of a paraglider, which is, of course, in part how, how the Hamas terrorists got into Israel to kill the innocents with a Palestinian flag or what purports to be flying from the top. And it reads, I stand with Palestine on the bottom. And BLM tweets out, that is all. That is it. This is the group, Miranda Devine was pointing this out yesterday online, that that companies like Disney, Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Walmart, Target, Lululemon, McDonald's, Wendy's, Coca-Cola, Peloton, etc., lavished money on in 2020. Oh, yeah. This is the group that changed Fifth Avenue in New York to where we had to have a BLM moniker mm -hmm. on it that changed the the courts on the NBA. This is the group that if you didn't post a little black square in solidarity with them on a certain day, people st started to ac accuse you of being a racist. But there were many people who had questions about this group from the start, because as you point out, some people really do tell you who they are right from the get go. And their mission yeah. statement was very clear about what they wanted to do and dismantle the nuclear family and completely change America. And here they are at it again. I mean, openly, yeah. that is it. That is it. Exclamation. They are loving what's happening right now, Glenn. And many Jewish Americans supported this group back in 2020 and now when they need support it's a celebration of their murder 
So I, I would, again, use this as a way to wake people up. If you were for BLM, you know, I'm sorry you didn't believe that it was for, uh, you know, maybe a month or so when they first started on their own website, the end of the nuclear family, the end of capitalism as we know it, the end of the Western way of life. This is what is happening with the Palestinians and Hamas to the Israelis. That is what BLM's uh, world looks like. When they say they want an end to the nuclear family, I thought that was evil. I just didn't realize that they meant any kind of end, even shooting them in their sleep or beheading their babies. Mm. This has got to be understood. And, you know, Megan, I'd be interested in hearing your point of view on this because there's a big um, there's an argument that's happening even inside of my own um uh, building here with my producers tonight i have ben shapiro and dave rubin on on my wednesday night special and we're going to show the videos that everybody including israel says don't show i think those videos are so important it is like having pictures of the gas chambers in 1940 and not showing them mm. i think they need to be seen because this is the evidence that shows you, look, they said they will kill all Jews. They've said that. Now here they are, and there is no way to defend killing women and children execution style on social media. Everybody says that shouldn't be seen, including Israel. I disagree. We have photos now of the death chamber. Why wouldn't we show them? Yeah. I, it's it's a tough call. I mean, I, I agree with, in general, with the showing of the videos right now. We've chosen to carve like a middle lane on it and show some, but not all. Just because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I just feel like there's only so much my heart can take in, in even bringing the show, you know, never mind know, my I audience. Know. There's just only so much. I don't know about you, Glenn, but like this has been weighing on me so heavily it's really changing my personality these past few days. I, you know, you you got to be able to function in your own life. You got to be able to get your kids off to school. You got to be able to be a loving, kind mother. And there's only so much I can take. And that's me. I, I don't mean to make me the story. I'm just saying like me, all I these know. thousands of miles away, I can't imagine that we're going to talk, Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew's going to be here in a little while. We're going to talk about like, how are they functioning the amount of terror that's being unleashed on these poor families, even the ones who survived? How do you go about your day? How do you ever live normally again so i i support your decision and i i think it's great to tell people in advance you're going to do it and that way they can make the choice for themselves whether they want to see it yeah. you know or they don't want to see it but don't comment it, it, if you haven't seen it if you haven't taken the time to at least see some of it then don't comment because you don't understand yeah. but it but, but more importantly it has to be shown so i mean megan you and i both were i worked at cnn we both worked at fox you had to have special permission to take the World Trade Center footage out of the vault and show it on your show. And it was only really allowed around September 11th. I think that's a mistake because you forget that if you never again is now, right now, mm -hmm. and they're just doing it in a different way than they were doing it in the 1930s. And how many people risk their lives? Raoul Wallenberg is a great hero. He risked his life to save Jews. He tried to get the information. He handed it to the Americans. He handed it 
to the Swiss. He handed it to the British and no one would do anything. So all of the stories of the Holocaust were rumors and were on page 31 of the New York Times. This needs to be seen so no one can say, because they will, that's not true. That never happened. Yeah. Those pictures need to be seen. Um, I, you know, I, I can't get over the way this is being spun, even by what I would consider, quote, mainstream leftists, let's say MSNBC. OK, I'll give you one example. Mehdi Hassan who's just been a nightmare in his coverage of this whole thing. He, he goes after this guy, Bill Ackman, who you probably sh saw yesterday or the day before, Glenn. He's a hedge fund guy who said, all right, we've got 35 now, 35 student groups at Harvard who have said this is all on Israel. Uh, we stand in solidarity with only the one side, and it's not Israel. <laughs> it's the side beheading the babies. Uh, and Bill Ackman rightly said, I, I've been being contacted by other guys in uh, finance and on Wall Street saying, let's get a name. Let's get a list of those names. Those are not people who we want working for us, which you could completely understand. It, anyway, so let me pause it. So Bill Ackman says, OK, I will. And so groups uh, have been doing it. Townhall.com released the names of these student groups who are the people who are in the student groups. And then you have Mehdi Hassan come out and say, oh, I thought the right was supposed to be pro free speech thought you were all free speech warriors doesn't seem so free speechy to be canceling people like rhino workman of nyu for speaking out on behalf of hamas in response to which i said you've got to be kidding me like it's now cancel culture to not want to hire a terrorist sympathizer and defender. I need to hire at my law firm, if I decide to hang up my shingle again, somebody who says I'm totally fine with the murder of children and the burning of women alive. Yes, I think it's it's just. And in fact, it's all the fault of the victims. I'm good with that. I'm supposed to hire this person. Then I'm going to go look for, let's say, Jewish clients. Good luck. Good luck. As if this is equivalent to the left's cancellation of somebody for making tacos when they're not Mexican, which, by the way, actually has happened. I, I, I tell you, the, the world is upside down and this can be the beginning of a great awakening and and a return uh, to truth. It, it has to be um, if we do, if all of this stuff is related all of this is related for, and, and it's repeating itself. You know, the the Armenians are being uh, killed and a genocide is happening in Armenia right now. That happened and taught Hitler. You know what? We can get away with liquidating yeah. anybody we want and the world won't say anything about it. Yeah, he said we who remembers the Armenians. Yeah, nobody remembers the Armenians, but they're, it's happening right now. My charity happens to have people on the ground trying to get them out of the area and and protect them as much as we can. Most people aren't even talking about it. All of the evils from the past are happening. And it always, always anti-Semitism ties itself to Marxism, statism, authoritarianism. All of this stuff is related. You know, you're surprised that this is happening at the well, you're not surprised this is happening at the universities. All of these universities are coming out and saying just horrendous things. Really? Because you were the same universities that hired actual Nazis 
This is the same kind of culture that was happening with the Nazis. Look up the German Bund movement, the American German Bund movement. It was a Nazi movement. There were trains that came out of uh, Grand Central Station and went to Long Island and the Jersey shoreline every weekend that flew an American and Nazi flag on the front of the train. They, they sold out Madison Square Garden to have a rally for Hitler. They put an armband around the image of George Washington. This is the same hatred that comes from Marxism, socialism, and all the other isms that go right along with it. There is an idea that all men are created equal. That means we don't all have to agree on each, with each other, but it does mean we have to agree that all people, Palestinians or Israelis, have a right to speak their mind. But if you are for the silencing of other people through murder, rape, burning people alive, beheading children, I'm sorry. I'm not in a compact with you. Mm -mm. America used to have a compact. We must restore the Bill of Rights compact. What did you make of Biden's speech yesterday? Uh, just for the listening audience. We have oh, I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, what am I, you know, it was good. I mean, I know people in Israel, uh, they had to listen to that and go, oof, thank goodness. But I don't believe any of that. He's surrounded by Obama wannabes. He's the most incompetent individual. I have absolutely no faith that this president and the leadership that he's selected at the Pentagon can do anything but shoot themselves in the foot. This this is the most dangerous time we have had maybe since the Cuban Missile Crisis. We are on the edge. And who do we have running things? I mean, if if he would drop dead tomorrow from a heart attack or choking on pudding, then we have Kamala Harris. Oh, God. Do you feel better? Do yeah, you feel yeah. like we're in control just with our strategic oil reserve? We just gave away seven years of our missile usage, which means it will take us seven years to manufacture those missiles so we can use them. Mm. If you think that China if this starts to grow, if Israel and there's a miracle happen and Israel is, is able to kill this and fight this back and we go back to normalcy, then everything changes. But if they don't, do you think China won't go for Taiwan? Right. Those are the computer chip people. They make the chips for the supercomputers. If we don't have access to those things, we can't make them. China will. And if you don't think China will take an opportunity for a three-front war, where I don't think we could even last on a one-front war, I mean, what, what good are the words of the president? I'd like to see some action, except I say that with great hesitancy because every action he takes... Let me ask you this. You're the president of the United States. We have hostages taken by the same kind of people that took our hostages in 1979. Do you have your spokesperson come out and say, you know, there are roads. There's lots of ways to get out of uh, uh, of Israel. You could just take a road where through Gaza to Egypt, 
or maybe it's through Lebanon and Hezbollah, or maybe we go into Syria. Where are those roads? I have employees that that have people trapped in Israel right now. We can't get out. Why? There's no American carrier that is flying in. You have to go on Lufthansa. Lufthansa is brave enough to say, we're going to rescue all, anybody who's German can come out. Lufthansa, the Germans are mm. saving Jews and we're standing on the sidelines. What good does a speech make? When did we become such wusses that we will stand on the sidelines kicking rocks? We won't even save our own people. Well, where and where was even the presidential messaging on it yesterday on the hostages? You know, like where was the messaging of one hair on one head of an American? Because no, they don't believe it. Right. And you're going to be dealing with the Navy. I mean, they've already killed 14 Americans, but now we have an untold number still in in jeopardy. And where is the strong presidential message of if you if you harm a single American, we're going to unleash the full force of. But we, he won't because he's not prepared to do that. I don't know what he's prepared to do. And in fact, if you talk to any of these experts who have been watching his conduct and the Democrats conduct when it comes to Israel and all the past conflicts, we run out of patience. And it's not just Democrats. Condoleezza Rice famously ran out of patience for after 32 days in the, in the conflict about 15, 16 years ago. We give Israel a very short leash and then we run out of patience and then we tell him it's time to wrap it up. And they're, I don't think they're going to listen to us this time, Glenn. And um, oh, no, they're not. I don't know what Would position you? that leaves us in. If you're I've I've been there, Megan, you've been there. You've been chased out through Holocaust after Holocaust, 19 of them. And every time the world says, get out, get out, go someplace else, get out. Well, they finally have a place. They have their own homeland. While our government is disarming the American people with open borders, you know why Russia never, of all the plans to destroy America, they never had a plan that had them coming through our southern border into Texas. You know why? Because Texans were clear about the American Constitution. They were clear about communism and they were armed and they knew they'd have to face the people, not just the army. Israel is giving guns to their citizens. 10,000 rifles are being given to private citizens right now. Our government is disarming us. While we have about 4 million people who we have no idea who they are. While we have Palestinian people screaming, gas the Jews. Uh, I don't know what happens if you're of that point of view and you came in from Iran, you came in from uh, uh, from Gaza, you don't have necessarily love for America. You didn't come here to better your family's life. And you're a sleeper cell. Well, not, not only that, Glenn, right now, the leader of Hamas put out a statement calling to make this Friday a, quote, global day of jihad. And so and he's asked he's asking the number one ask was he asked donations, but also the number one was to shed blood. Uh, in, in the name of their cause. And so, you know, to relate it Evil. back to what's happening in America, you've I'm sure every Jewish community senator is, center is now under guard. People, our friends going to synagogue uh, on, on the weekend, they have to worry. And think about the Jewish students at these college campuses who have students, an untold number of whom support the murder of Jewish civilians in the name of this cause. And won't even get denounced by the university heads. 
Uh, these same university heads who were rushing out there to post statements after George Floyd, after one man was whose life was taken by the police. Now, it, nine times out of 10, ha they haven't said anything, even in response to the student groups. And I've seen the letters from Jewish students and Jewish student groups writing to the heads of school. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are being sent to me saying, would you please say something? At most, they get a milquetoast statement like, mm -hmm. well, we condemn the violence that's that's unfolded. Now, not putting the blame squarely where it belongs on Hamas's shoulders. So here in America, we need to worry, too. I mean, it, this conflict could be coming here. Oh, I, I think it I think it will. I mean, you know, look, I'm a uh, I'm a catastrophist, an optimistic catastrophist. <laughs> uh, you know, oh. I, I I believe in Americans. I believe in uh, the Constitution and I believe in God. So anything can change and Americans can wake up. And once they wake up, it changes. America is America because of her people, not her government. Our government, unfortunately, has gone to hell in a handbasket. But enough is out there now where people can see, oh, wait a minute. And when Hillary Clinton says, you know, you got these Trump people that just need to, you know, maybe we need to deprogram them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You mean the people who want the Constitution to be supreme, they should be reprogrammed. You're going to see a very different outcome because of this administration here in our own country. There is going to be, God forbid, terrorist activity in our own country. Hmm. Everyone has to stay vigilant, has to stay aware, and has to stay prayerful. I mean, that's... In these dark, dark times, that's really the only thing that makes one feel and better. And be a light. Paying attention, staying be connected with God. Yeah, that's right. And and do what you can, like Len always does in these tragedies with his charity. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Great to see Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to be right back with Eli Lake uh, and some, some unbelievable news that I want to show to you. We are following some breaking news at this hour. The U.S. State Department just announced... At least 22 Americans have now died in the Hamas terror attacks in Israel. That's up from 14 that we knew about yesterday. In addition, we are continuing to monitor what is happening in northern Israel. Just a short time ago, Israel's defense forces account on Twitter warned of, quote, suspected infiltration from Lebanon into Israeli airspace. There are videos circulating online of sirens going off like this one. Mm. Joining me now, Eli Lake. He's a contributing editor at Commentary and host of the podcast, The Re-Education with Eli Lake. Eli, I begin with you, same place I started with Glenn Beck a half an hour ago, and that is, you know, if this is now turning into a two-front war with Hezbollah and Lebanon coming across the northern border, what does it mean? Well, I think it means it's more than a two-front war. It's a regional war because Hezbollah is a cat's paw of Iran, there has been reporting that the Iranians planned or helped plan and approved the Hamas slaughter and pogrom. Um, you're seeing the sermons of Iranian clerics at the moment that are, you know, calling, as you said in the last segment, for, you know, kind of a, everyone to rise up, um, predicting the end of Israel. Um, I do think that at this point, Israel has to look at this as a regional war, and it's it's the two-front war for Israel, but it really is a regional war. Mm. 
Here at home, uh, there are concerns in many corners, and one of them is what happened in Dearborn, Michigan last night. I I realize there are some people domestically who are pro-Palestinian, but that is a very different thing than in the wake of this terrorist attack, saying anything in defense of Hamas, which is recognized by our own our own government as a ter- as a terrorist group. Here is just a flavor of what happened at this Palestine pro-Palestine rally in Michigan last night, SOT 14. We are not going to be intimidated by staying silent when they say Hamas is a terrorist organization. The fact it is not a terrorist organization. And we have to say to them the terrorist is Benjamin Netanyahu and his government. I mean, there, there, it was a packed house in support cheering for this message in the wake of what we just saw to say Hamas is not a terrorist organization. I would go, I would say this, that the speaker that you just saw, the college students who have you know, expressed their solidarity, Black Lives Matter in Chicago with their tweet that had the hang glider saying free Palestine. These people in the left and and outside of, you know, the area are traitors, not just to, I mean, to the Palestinian cause. They are false friends. What Hamas has done, and if it's true that it was on behalf of Iran, is going to bring misery to Palestinians, full stop. It's going to diplomatically and internationally isolate the Palestinian movement. It does not accomplish anything. And it is, in my view, racist to assume that Palestinians are savages and would endorse the savagery of the groups that purport to rule them. So when I see that man saying that Hamas are not terrorists and the real terrorist is Israel, I think as a Jew that it's disgusting. But I also think you know, just as a as a as a human being, that this is no friend of the Palestinians. This is not somebody who has the best interests of Palestinians in mind. This is somebody who is reveling and glorying the murder of Jews, and it's disgusting. The report just breaking now via I twenty four News. Uh, the Israeli Defense Force says it has not identified any impact and no reports of wounded following drone infiltration alerts in northern Israel. So we heard the sirens and we saw the initial reports, but they're not identifying any wounded or impact from the infiltration so far. That story is developing and we'll see where it goes. Um, The leftist uh, lawmakers seem to be really struggling right now on how to message this, Eli. Um, th- I bring you Ed Markey, who is holding an event, senator from Massachusetts, yesterday. Elizabeth Warren is right behind him, and he decides to hit on the de-escalation message. It was just Monday. He t- decides to hit on the de-escalation. I mean, this is before Israel's even had a chance to do anything in response to the attack on it. But listen to how it went. Listen to how this went. There must be a de-escalation of the current violence. The United States should... We... He looks befuddled. And you know this is a left-wing crowd. Who else shows up to listen to Ed Markey and Senator Elizabeth Warren speak? I think that the moment has really... I mean, I, I think what we heard there is 
zombie peace processing. I mean, this is the talking points of 25 years ago and the Clinton administration, the cycle of violence, looking at root causes of savagery. And, you know, it's hard to sort of let it go, uh, has been the talking point now for Democrats. And, you know, you know, with some, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Republicans, too. Um, and it no longer applies. They've, these people have shown us who they are and we have to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. I think the Benjamin Netanyahu and Israeli spokesmen have been right when they say that Hamas is like ISIS. I would say that, you know, they are like, you know, the, the sort of savage hordes throughout human history, whether they're the Mongols or the Romans or the Mesopotamians. But the only thing you can do in the face of such evil, evil is to wipe it out. The media is complicit in that same message that Ed Markey just attempted. Uh, not only they, do they try to downplay the evils of Hamas by, you know, the way they reference Hamas, but they are very pro de-escalation as a norm and will probably quickly switch to that message entirely. Uh, I'll give you just a couple of examples that jumped out at me. New York Times, they published a story, Hamas leaves trail of terror in Israel, and in it they referred to Hamas terrorists. Then they changed, this is via Greg Price uh, on Twitter, then they changed it to Hamas leaves trail of terror in Israel and changed it from Hamas terrorists to Hamas gunmen. Even the president is saying terrorists. It's okay, New York Times. You can say it. Uh, Up north, the Canadian Broadcasting Corp, which is even further left than MSNBC, if that's possible, they sent out um, a a memo that was leaked, their director of journalistic standards, to all their journalists saying, uh, do not refer to militants, soldiers, or anyone else as terrorists. They say that's opinion, not fact. Even the Canadians and their government recognize Hamas as a terrorist group. So why won't they write it? I mean, I'm I'm I I I could argue that I agree with the CBC. We shouldn't call them terrorists. We should call them diabolical barbarians. I mean, are you serious? This is uh ridiculous. Uh was anybody having this discussion after 9/11 about Al-Qaeda? Right. Was anybody having this discussion after ISIS beheads American aid workers? It's ridiculous. And it seems like it's a constant kind of double standard for Israel that's in the media. But, you know, fortunately, the media does not really hold the same position right now in our politics and our society in the West than it did before because of, you know, alternative, you know, platforms like your like yours or the free press. And um, in that respect, I would just say that, you know, this is it's almost I mean, it's it's ridiculous but it, it's not as, uh, in, I don't think it's as sinister as it once was, if that makes any sense. What do you make of the anti-Semitism on display in so many corners? Because, you know, I have to say, when I see the media so reluctant to use that term, I, I wonder what they actually think. I wonder whether they have sympathy for Hamas and what it just did. I have to wonder, who else would hesitate to call baby killers terrorists? And it reminded me, this is circulating on formerly Twitter, now X, Last night, and I retweeted it, uh, of this famous exchange that David Horowitz had on a university campus, I'll get the name, in 2010, where a woman who was part of the Muslim Student Association got up and tried to cross-examine him on the speech he had just given. And instead, he had some questions for her. And it was chilling. We've cut a bit of it. Look at this. I'm a student here at UCSD. Um, I found some interesting things about the MSA which is an organization that's very active on campus, and it is hosting uh, our annual Hitler Youth Week. You should come out to those events. Will you uh, condemn Hamas here and now? I'm sorry, what? Will you condemn Hamas? 
would I condemn Hamas? As a terrorist organ, genocidal organ. Are you asking me to put myself on a cross? Well, if I support you. Hamas, because your question forces me to condemn Hamas, if I support Hamas, well, I look really bad. If you bad. don't condemn Hamas, obviously you support it. I'm a Jew. The head of Hezbollah has said that he hopes that we will gather in Israel so he doesn't have to hunt us down globally. For it or against it? For it. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, that's outrageous. I mean, that that's somebody who has imbibed, you know, the hateful fanaticism of, you know, I guess, Islamic supremacy. Um, there is another kind of, you know, equally awful element of the college or academic left that has spread into other institutions, which considers Hamas to be the vanguard of armed struggle and liberation. And they justify this as, you know, the natural response to people living under occupation. And I guess my response to that kind of argument is that the reason that Israel has to inspect goods that come in and out of Gaza is because of actions from Hamas. And this weekend was obviously the worst, but it has been happening since the group was formed in 1987. I mean, and is, also obviously Israel is not in. It's not in. It doesn't. It, it, it left. It took it, it forced settlement settlers to leave in 2005. And the hope was that that would be a step towards peace. And instead, Gaza became a launching pad to attack Israel. And that's had that's caused enormous misery for Palestinians forced to live under Hamas. And I'm aware that they won an election, barely, very close election in 2006, of the legislature and the Palestinian Authority. But they have not stood for elections since. Neither has the PLO. But the point is, is that there's there hasn't the, the people in Gaza haven't had a, an electoral choice for nearly 20 years. Hamas has no legitimacy. And, um, you know, this is what they have been planning. And you have to ask yourself, this is if, 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 if the situation in Gaza was as desperate as people on the left say it is, then how is it that the organization that runs Gaza is able to get bulletproof vests, drones, various kinds of, you know, sensors and equipment and things to pull off such an operation like this. So um, it's extraordinary to kind of hear that. And it's very sad. I don't think it represents the majority of Americans by any stretch or even really a majority of people on campus it just needs to have more courage to confront this kind of, you know, hate filled bigotry. Mm -hmm. These students for justice in Palestine, those are the organizations that continue signing these letters on college campuses. And I would say beware, beware of students for justice for Palestine, because if you can't look at these atrocities and condemn them, there's something wrong with you. I call them students for slaughter in Israel. Yeah. You're exactly That's right. They are. Before we go, Eli, how you doing? Like this has got to be taking a toll. Um, it's it's been it's been rough. I mean, uh, I learned of the news right after I uh, took my two year old daughter swimming, and um, you know, I, I just kind of hugged her and thought, "There, but for the grace of God." So it's been rough, and fortunately, my extended family is okay. But I know a lot of people who. Uh, have relatives who who have perished, and it's really terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. It's yeah. you know the the stories of heroism coming out of Israel are just jaw dropping too. Agreed. Yeah. But right now, the the 
trauma is acute and ongoing. Thinking of you. Thank you for coming on, Eli League. All the best to you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love the show. Oh, likewise. Thank you. Love listening to you. When we come back, we're going to have Dr. Drew. We're going to talk a little bit about the trauma that the Israelis are going through and maybe that you're feeling. I don't know about you. I'm feeling it. Um, and this is just the beginning of what's going to be a long haul. Uh, so stay tuned for Dr. Drew. As we all deal with this horrific story out of Israel, it's important to take a look just for a minute at the mental toll that comes from both war for those in the region and for those consuming the images and video and news of it uh, for all the rest of us. We always love talking to Dr. Drew Pinsky. He's here with us today, host of Dr. Drew Podcast and much, much more. Today, he's here in the studio with me. I'm so happy to have you here, Doc. So delighted to be here. Well. I'm delighted to be in your presence. I'm not delighted with the circumstances we are all in. My God. I mean, yeah. you know, usually we talk and it, it's some, somewhat, there's some levity. We mm. cover a range of things. It just mm. feels like today it's, doesn't it just feel like there's a darkness, just like a pall? Oh my gosh, yes. And and uh, your staff, it's funny that my, I started using that word yesterday when we were talking about coming in here. Like, it's, it feels so dark, feels so dark. It, it is dark. And I fear the darkest hours are still ahead. That That's what's almost more disturbing than anything else. And when you are confronted with these overwhelming images and sort of thoughts about what's going on, the natural thing to do is sort of dissociate from it. Like you either disconnect from it, go, I can't deal with it, or you're literally, your brain goes, you know, somewhere else. You feel like you're out of body, like you've been in a bad car accident or something and things feel like it's a dream. That is actually a normal defense mechanism, but you know, as it goes on, that actually adversely affects our brain, particularly young people's brains. You know, I've been thinking about it because I I have a daughter and she's too quick to take on other people's heartache, you know, mm -hmm. and the sum of that is good. You want an empathetic person, but yes. too much is not good. Yes. And I, I always say to her, Yards, that that's not your upset. That's somebody else's upset, good. you know? Yeah. And she's getting better at it. This one, and usually I'm very good at compartmentalizing the news myself. You know, mm -hmm. there's just so much of it. You've got to be. This one is is different, and I do think it's because of what Glenn Beck and I were discussing a moment ago, which is we're seeing the videos. You yeah. you see them almost it, whether you want to or not, mm. and it's like it's the same reason I don't go to certain Twitter accounts and I don't go to certain uh, websites because I know that they'll put up in particular pictures of animal torture mm. if they have a story. It's like I can't even I can't even see it, and this is human torture, mm. and yet it's everywhere, and it has no. There's just no chance of not being affected by it. Right. There's no chance. That That is very much the point. But uh, I'm just thinking about your daughter and children and how they're being exposed to all this as well. I, I'm, you know, other than being directly in the line of fire, we've never exposed young people to this kind of thing on such a mass scale. So we really don't even know what it's going to do to them in the long term. I, I, I worry about this stuff. I worry about, I I don't feel up to the present moment, I got to tell you. I thank you for having me in here, but this feels truly overwhelming. Like there's just too much. I don't think any of much. us do. Yeah, it's well, too what much. About, what about the children? Because, I mean, there's the Israeli children, of course, yeah. and then there's our kids too. But I there's news that Israeli parents are furiously deleting the social media apps on their children's phone because Hamas has threatened to, as the airstrikes continue in Gaza, start executing the hostages mm. and to broadcast it, it on mm. social media. And they, they, you know, of course they don't want their children seeing that. I mean, Israel's not that big. The, the odds of them knowing somebody connected to one of these hostages are high. And then uh, secondly, I'd love to talk about our kids back here and how much of this is appropriate to share. 
again, I, I think it's you, you, uh, none of it, really, when you get right down to it. Uh, like I said, we don't know the full impact of these kinds of images on children. Uh, and yet, I, I think about my own kids. They were sort of third grade when 9-11 happened, and yet they that all rained down on them. Uh, it was all television. It was not as though it was in their hand all day. But they saw plenty, and it changed their lives. It certainly changed their lives. Now, in all kinds of ways, and a lot of it is unpredictable. Who knows? The, the, again, the thing I worry about more than anything, though, is is our brains. We we literally uh, are flooded with cortisol, and we can disconnect. We can, you know, our parasympathetic system can kick in and disconnect us from reality, from our body, from our feelings, and that on a chronic basis is is not good. So I'm thinking about your daughter and her mm-hmm. caring. We've entered this very unusual time when there's a huge value put on grandiose caring. I care, you know, and that and this on this grandiose level, that is not healthy. Care about people right in front of you. I think the sort of a, there's a message embedded all in all this, which is, and we always get to this point anyway, right? The people you love, the relationships you value, double down protect the people you love, get involved with them, spend more time with them, talk about these feelings and try to process them. That that space of closeness we call intimacy is the way the human brain builds. It doesn't do it on its own. It needs other brains and children need adult brains in particular. And even adults go back to that same mechanism and use other brains to help us regulate and make sense of things. Mm-hmm. So there's a sort of a I don't want to say that. I'm not going to use any positive words in any of this, but but there is something to be done uh, that could help. You mentioned 9-11, and it, it just jarred something in me. What we did at Fox was on the anniversary of 9-11, we would show the tape mm-hmm. of the attacks. But the one thing we would never show was the falling man. I know that. It was multiple bodies, well, but they, yeah, they, and that, they've become known collectively as the falling. And it's left from the museum and stuff too, right? It's left out. And I, I I, don't like that my kids were exposed to that, but that was the equivalent of what we're seeing. That was the part where you go, I can't, I can't handle it Right, so this much. is resonating for me because yeah. it's like all we're seeing on social media about this conflict, this attack is basically the equivalent of the falling down. Yeah. It's the up-close personal yeah. attacks on civilians. And it's not to say that it's not incredibly awful to see those planes going into the towers. It is. But it is, it's just there's something else. It's more personal and intimate to see an individual yes. suffering up close and personal. Yes. And that's, what's, that's what we're seeing. You know, like... I, I can't get over the the body of that woman in the back of the Jeep yeah. unnaturally curved and them standing on her. I just I can't get past it. It's I, just like that these non-humans are roaming around us. You know, the, the level well, of depravity. This, well, this is the part that I'm really struggling with. I, I, I did not know that we could go back to that. I mean, I know human history is packed with people doing that sort of thing. I, I didn't know we we're going there, mm-hmm. and and that's and that it, it's always the case that when your sense of reality gets a record scratch, like uh oh, I didn't. It it's it takes a while to process it. I'm not I'm not there yet. I I don't know what to make of it yet. And by the way, there was another casualty in all this, which is the press. I've noticed that I am so distrustful of everything in the press, particularly in cable yeah. media and that kind of thing. I I I look at some of the stuff and go, well, maybe. 
Yeah. Maybe I is somebody doing something to me again? Is am I being manipulated? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> is, is, that, and that that is it's uh, true. That I, there there were multiple casualties beyond the human casualty. Harvard University, another casualty. Yeah. The the things that came out of the the student groups the other day. I, I, okay, you're done. Yep. That's that's it. You was lost good your... to see by the way. Some I think it was a hundred professors signed a letter pushing back on those student groups. Stephen Pinker and Alan Dershowitz and others have been speaking out. Um, I I. Uh, all of them, by the way, have been peripheralized by that institution, mind you, right? These Very are all people so. that have been writing public discourse and uh, have not exactly been embraced by the mainstream no. at that university. But what about the people for whom this actually does raise trauma? Like there, there are oh, people- there's a lot of us. Right? It's like yeah. people who have experienced yeah. real trauma in their lives. Yeah, yeah. It could be sexual violence, could be anything. This actually does have a way of re-traumatizing them. 100%. And- I think what people don't really appreciate, I, I've done a lot of thinking about this, and I actually wanted to write a chapter in my book about it, and they told me it was too speculative, but the history has borne me out, which is we went through a really an epidemic of childhood trauma in this country. It was not normal. People went, oh, they're just talking about it. No, no. The, the abandonment, neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse of children in the 60s, 70s, 80s that was unleashed in the name of a revolution. It's just, hey, little, they're little people, little adults. They, they're sexual too. Oh, oh boy. People went berserk with that. Then, of course, if somebody's been through that, they have about a certain percentage probability of being a perpetrator later. Then mm-hmm. it's just awful. Not No fault of theirs. They were rendered that way. But again, it's their fault for not maybe dealing with it before they hurt somebody else. And as a result, we have a massive population of people with what are called narcissistic injuries, childhood trauma, and it results in a certain kind of general uh, personality construct in this country uh, that, let's say, is prone to rage. Uh, And when that rage develops, usually it gets acted out through scapegoating like collecting together and scapegoating, thus cancellation. The French Revolution, it was the guillotine. And the the message of history is a mathematical probability of 100% that if you are participating in the scapegoating, eventually you too will be up on the guillotine. Mm-hmm. That's just... That's just the way history works. That's the way humans work. And so we have all this going on, and now we have this incredible extraordinary images that we're being exposed to. And of course, it re-traumatized people. Now, the question is, are they going to do what I was saying and really try to regroup with priorities and boundaries like you're trying to teach your daughter and work with people you're intimate with? Or are they going to become enraged and start scapegoating? And who knows where that goes? We're seeing the press shift their emphasis. Looks like the scapegoating going toward Israel now. And then two days ago, the scapegoating was toward the the Hamas. Those are all scapegoating impulses. And I just were, and then if you're not scapegoating, you're dissociating. And dissociating is that feeling, again, I've mentioned earlier, that you're out of body or you're watching something in a dream. And to the extent that that is a normal reaction to trauma, everybody does it. But if you're sort of using that day in and day out, it becomes destructive. Now we get uh, news that the head of Hamas, I mean, he was on camera calling for a national or international day of jihad. I saw that. Go through all the borders. Did you see all that? That was very very explicit. I think that was uh, for us. Yeah. And (laughs) and made clear, you know, what he wants people to do and pay pay in blood and treasure, uh, some deposit into the Hamas account. And there, you know, could be some faction of radicals that actually listen. So Friday becomes 
a more tense day, especially for people who are Jewish here in America and elsewhere. And on college campuses, there's some, I don't even know what they're calling it, some day of solidarity tomorrow, right? So these like, I don't, if you're a Jewish American right now, you're facing what a demonstration on your college campus pro terrorist. Then the next day, as you go into the Sabbath for Jews, you got to worry about showing up at your synagogue, mm -hmm. right? That it's going to get targeted. Mm -hmm. In New York, we see it. Like you go to the Jewish community center, they've got the huge, those, those huge cement blocks out in front of it because they know already, even in peace times, they're targets. Yes. Why? Because they're Jewish. That's yeah. it. And on a day like, it's just like the level of trauma and concern and fright. Like if there's got to be yeah. real fear yeah. is rising. Like it, I can feel it rising. Yeah, I can too. But th that's scapegoating. That's what, the same whom? mechanism. By whom? What do you mean? Who's scapegoating? Somebody's scapegoating the Jews. That's always that's always been the mechanism that they have used. That's what Hitler used. Everybody used. They they use it. They take a population. They dehumanize them and they scape they scapegoat them, and that's how you're able to carry out terror. They are not humans in your mind because humans are capable of dehumanizing other humans and scapegoating them for all your problems. What about there's the there's a. Scott Adams posted this online, and I I'm sure you know about this drug, Captagon. Yeah. And there's some speculation, that's all it is, that this drug may be, be playing a part somehow amongst the Hamas yeah. terrorists. Yeah. What What is Captagon and what, why are people wondering about that? So when you look at these behaviors of, of, the, of the terrorists, let's, I mean, why, how can we call them anything else? I, I don't understand, but, yeah. but okay, terrorists. Uh, you think to yourself, how is this possible? How how could a human behave like I mean, beheaded babies and things? You just you think about it and you just you, you pull away, you cringe. And one of the ways through through uh, particularly 20th century history that people do stuff is with drugs. Uh, and Captagon is widely distributed through the Middle East. It's not available through the West. It's a very you know when I did some research on it, I it was very shrouded in sort of mystery. Like I could not figure out why it was made illegal in the West. It was originally an amphetamine substitute. It's a pro drug. It's converted into by your your body, your liver to amphetamine and theophylline essentially. And in principle, it should be milder than than amphetamine. Pro drugs sometimes are, but it seems to be more intense. It seems to cause more inflation, which is the, the really one of the dire side effects of methamphetamine in particular, which is you feel agitated and bigger than life and, and justified in your every move. And some sort of, again, we've talked about dissociation. There's some dissociative quality to it where you're just sort of not all there. Oh, that, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. So, so it actually, it, I mean, perhaps, for, like, uh, whatever, but perhaps these are not normally the inhumane monsters they were on this day. Like this drug could actually push you to do something Perhaps. that you wouldn't do without it? It's highly speculative, and I think you'd have to use a lot, and you'd have to probably use it for a while to get to that point, but it's possible. Uh, it's possible. It, it, my, my brain is trying to wrap its head around what is going on here. Well, and I'd rather believe that it's a drug than an actual human heart. Right, behind, but behind again, it. look at history. I mean, you know, the Huns and whatever, the, the humans have done this. Uh, in, in, you know, They did um, say that Hitler was a big fan of snorting cocaine. And I amphetamines. Mean, amphetamines were used very widely. And military uses amphetamine. They do. It just does. Uh, but this drug in particular seems to have some mysterious properties that I'm not, I couldn't fully tease out of the literature. So I, I'm worried. Uh, and also they say that there are some properties, some illicit manufacturing is including, quote, something else. And I, my suspicion is there may be like an opiate or something in there as well, which also makes you not feel anything. Mm. 
So. Well, I mean, we've had, you know, as you point out, terror for a long time. Just look at ISIS. They weren't all on this Captagon. Is, this is all that. Well, it's been around since them, too. But yes, I don't think they were. But it, this is that again, is it not? It's just on a scale that we just, mm-hmm. ugh, just can't can't manage. Well, and I think about, you know, that think about the Israeli soldiers, right? On the other hand, yeah. who they, I don't know that they're going to need an amphetamine, but they're going to need some something. And you, you walk in on at a kibbutz and you see 40 dead murdered babies decapitated. That I don't know how you come back from that. I mean, the the reporter who we aired yesterday from I twenty four, she could barely keep it together. She didn't, doesn't sound like she saw it. Sounds like she just spoke to the, the soldiers who saw it, and she said they were holding each other. Like these are young guys. These are not. They're not everybody's like a seasoned grizzly old general who's seen it all. Like most of these guys are relatively young, and they've been. You have to go do your couple years of military service yeah. there. They heard what was happening. They rushed to serve. I mean. They're not prepared any more than you or I are to go see this. Yeah. It makes me wonder if there was something premeditated in that particular torture in that. And I don't, you know, I'm not a military person, so I don't know, but I have lots of military friends. And the ones that really struggle with stuff will often bring up children, like something mm-hmm. happened to a kid. So I, I couldn't, I, it, your brain just can't regulate it it's it shatters you see that in in prisons right like who who are the bad convicted killers who maybe serial killers going to go after the child molester yep like there's even a code amongst the worst of the worst that you don't touch children Mm -hmm. um that's a human thing and and again to be able to do that is the part that you just go "I, i can't but then maybe there's something in it to try to disable these people that come into it. Can I ask you a question? So yesterday we began the show with that news about the babies mm. and I could barely get it out. I could barely say Much it. Much like that reporter. She yes. said that she choked on it. And by the way, let's remember, was it World War One? the Belgian babies that were tortured? That that got everybody into World War One. That's how they pulled everybody in. Um, well, here's my question. Now I've seen so much about it. We saw the Fox News reporter trying to get yeah. Rashida Tlaib to comment to leave to kind of comment on it and she wouldn't i've said it in passing here on the show a few times it doesn't seem like a phrase you should ever be able to utter casually you know beheaded babies oh, it's it just, doesn't. but i worry because now i myself am guilty of it like i've tweeted it a couple times to, to shame people who are defending these hamas terrorists i don't understand how in the face of that kind of evil they can't see right that who's in the right and who's not on this particular thing I don't. Is there danger in repeatedly referring to something that atrocious, yeah. right, in short form or casually, to where like even saying it now, it's not quite as correct hard as it was yesterday. So very quickly we desensitize. We're, so we go from dissociation and pulling away to just getting used to it. And what is that bad or is it good or is that is there a value on it? E- it's how we work. It's 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 a mechanism that humans have to survive the uh, you know everything. Let's face it. I mean, we can tolerate. All, we can make the extraordinary commonplace. I mean, we just get used to everything. Is how our brains operate. Is it bad? Yeah, it's bad. We should never have anything other than extraordinary disgust and moral outrage. Now, what the press is starting to do is there. Now we're starting to see images of Palestinian children. So we're going to create this equivalency thing that. Because the images are equivalent. The question is, how do you make equivalency out of somebody who's in person doing it versus a response that has collateralized stuff mm-hmm. by and allowing – this is the part that's troubling me right now. Is the, 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 whoever's allowing these citizens to stay around targets 
that's that's equally as disgusting. No, of course, it's one hundred percent the Palestinians. Yeah. This is what Hamas does. Yeah. This is what they do. I mean, I, yeah. this is not speculation. They actually use their civilians as shields. They yeah. tell them not to leave the targeted areas because they're hoping they won't get targeted if they have civilians with them. And then they make sure that the local media puts the children on the air and not not the fighters as mm. they go in and out of the hospitals. It's all a, a propaganda war. It even some of these videos coming out of the Israelis who have been murdered are from. Hamas. They're proud of it. They they're part. Oh, they're, they're trying they're, they're, to terrorize. Now, they're now. I saw a demonstration today where they were glo- glo- gloating over the pictures. Young males gloating over it. Look at this. This is the. This is what you deserve. It's how, how far are we from 1938, 1942? Right, yeah. It's just. You it's, can't it's, negotiate with that. You can like all these people online saying weird. you got you to talk to them. No, there's no talking with baby killers. It's done. There's only one thing to do, and that's to annihilate them. I completely understand Israel's strategy and support it. Uh, I realize it's going to have global implications, but just there's no talking to somebody like that. Israel can't go on with these people on their border. Uh, all right, stand by. We're going to squeeze in a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to change the topic. We're going to talk about some of the latest COVID mania. The New York Times is still at it. It's still at it with that same reporter who's gotten so much wrong. Dr. Drew's been talking about this from the start. We'll pick it up there as we turn the page for a moment from the darkness of Israel. Stay with us. Two notes on the breaking news. I want to tell you first, this from the New York Times. After sirens throughout the north sent to shiver through Israelis fearing a possible attack from Lebanon, the Israeli military has now chalked up the alerts to an apparent malfunction. Mm. There is no security incident in Israel's north, said a military spokesman, Daniel Hargari. Uh, He added that officials had received a report about drones that the military was still looking into, uh, and I'm sure will continue to. And a second piece of breaking news, it appears the GOP has picked its new Speaker of the House, and that man will be House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, He was sort of the number two, well, he was not sort of, he was the number two guy under Kevin McCarthy, but he's been undergoing treatment for uh, cancer. And so many believed he would not want or perhaps would not just win enough support for the job. We're going to cover that much more tomorrow when the ruthless guys join us. So, Dr. Drew, I, we got to go over a little bit of COVID accountability. Right, really really quick, one, la- one first medical question. Do yeah. we know what type of cancer? Because so many cancers now are quite treatable. But... Uh, my team is going to look it up. Okay. I don't remember off the All top right. of my head. Because it, 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 when people hear cancer, it would sound, you know, we can do a lot with cancer these yeah. days. I'm, I'm a cancer patient. I have yeah. prostate right. cancer. I'm oh. 12 years out. So. Well, thank God. Yeah. Um, We'll find out. Um, Blood cancer. Multiple myeloma. Multiple myeloma. So there's myeloma and there's myeloma. It's not a very treatable condition, really. We like to think we treat it, and sometimes we probably are, but it's usually kind of smoldering, too. It doesn't, doesn't. Torch out very quickly. My first reaction time. is you don't want to see a doctor make the face you just made when you say you're kind of cancer. Oh, yeah. Well, it's myeloma is because it, it, I mo- mostly I was thinking about how am I going to present this because it it probably soon is going to be a highly treatable cancer. Mm, okay. So, All yeah. right. Well, fingers crossed. And yeah. Say a prayer for Steve Scalise. He's got a lot on his plate. Um, okay. So this is what an honest doctor sounds like when they tell you they don't know or this is what they're wrestling right. with. Oh, um, irrational uncertainty, Megan. That is what <laughs> science is about. Skepticism and rational uncertainty. We've been through this bizarre three years of irrational Certainty. Yes, Doctor Fryman framed that for me. That when I was like, "Oh God, you are so right." I love it. It's it, it's it, it is irrational to be certain about any of this. 
And so please, everybody, stop it. So the person who's more certain than any of us yeah. is not a doctor. Correct. She is a reporter for The New York Times. And amazingly, she still has her job despite so many embarrassing reports that they've had to take down. Hold on. Let's call it what it is. Misinformation. Yeah. I mean, it's misinformation with a capital M. If that's what we're going to call being wrong is mis we call them being right misinformation, by the way. <laughs> so what are we going to call being wrong? She just so, runs with it. I mean, yeah. she doesn't even pause anymore, Correct. notwithstanding her many misinformation incidents. Uh, her name is Apoorva Mandavilli. And this is the person who grossly overstated the number of children who were mm. hospitalized yeah. by a factor of like 900 times mm. uh, thanks to COVID. I mean, over and over again, she makes mistakes to be charitable, and they're always in the direction of COVID hysteria. Of course. So of course. she's still on the beat. Uh, just a couple days ago, in the New York Times, she prints, feeling terrible about your COVID shot? Then it's probably working. And she goes on about how it just means you have a vigorous immune response and you have more antibodies. And somebody who we both really love and respect, Vinay Prasad, one of the good doctors on COVID. He's he's not a lunatic one way or he, the other. He's been so measured. He is an oncologist. He's an academic oncologist who I found years before COVID, he had a, 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 a podcast called Plenary Sessions where he would evaluate medical literature. He is clairvoyant, and I don't mean literally, but his ability to penetrate medical literature. I, it caught me right away when I found that podcast five years ago. Mm -hmm. And then he became a rational skeptic yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. in regard to covid is now he's been on the warpath a little bit lately <laughs> he's great well now oh. he sees i mean now we have yeah. the evidence of how wrong everybody yeah. was and he he was on it um yeah. so he tweets out dear new york times this is an appeal to the real journalists and editors who work there please take a look at the several articles i have written about errors by a poor mandeville these are basic journalistic errors that mislead the public come on you must want to be balanced oh Oh, and I. Uh, journalism <laughs> is not just advocacy for the misguided. Uh, and then he goes on to say, please look at her articles more closely. Sincerely, a concerned doctor and researcher. Um, they don't they don't want to be balanced. They don't care about misleading the public. Notwithstanding, See? Dr. Drew, I do listen to their podcast, The Daily, usually most mornings because I like to get my news from the left and the right. And I heard this. This was not part of the actual podcast. This is like a promotional ad that was run in between content. Listen to what they said just just today. I'm Brian Rosenthal. I'm an investigative reporter at the New York Times. The New York Times does not publish until we can prove that something is true. Not publish. They do not publish until they can prove something is true. Has yeah. that been your experience with Apoorva Mandavelli and COVID and anybody at the New York Times? It is, it's why I stopped reading the New York Times. I started realizing I was being misled a lot of the time and i i just that that is an astonishing statement that they could say that and by the way prove that something is true that already is that irrational certainty we can ascend to the truth we cannot prove the truth mm -hmm. uh, and by the way i i could just got to talk about that all day but that is disgusting frankly yeah uh and i, I when i got first thoroughly discussed with the new york times is when their editorial board demanded lockdown demanded and i thought why do you have a seat at the table? You 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 suddenly you've learned about this non-pharmacological intervention and you have an opinion about it? You should not. Same thing same thing happened with the medications that became un, you words that you were unable to speak. You literally if you spoke the, the word of certain medication names, you'd be deplatformed. Yeah, that's right. And now they're being recommended. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's and these are inert medicines. They're they're nothing. And and I remind people that 
Can I say the I word? Am I allowed to yeah, say it? Yeah, yeah, you okay, can go for, for it. I, I say it loud and proud. If you're an asylum seeker for other countries, the CDC requires you to take five days of ivermectin. By You're, you're immediately given the ivermectin for five days because it's, it's nothing. It's and, say, and hydroxychloroquine, that's a medicine that we are, as physicians are told to keep our lupus patients on during pregnancy. That is the only medication I'm aware of that is recommended to continue during pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, just blanket. I, I I don't think women pregnant women should do anything to their biology personally. That's just me. It makes me nervous. But here's a medication that people who just learned to speak, pronounce the word, had massive certain opinions about it. Yep. We should be very unhappy with that. And this is more of the same well, with this, what she's doing. Here's and it's not just, of course, the New York Times. You know, we we talked on the show recently about <laughs> Travis Kelsey, the football player out there. He, he says, "I want to be known as Mr. Pfizer." Great, I want to be known as Mr. Pfizer. He's, he's pimping out the Pfizer vaccine. I had criticism for him because who who watches Travis Kelsey? It's young men. That's mm -hmm. who that's who looks at him as a hero. Those are the least likely to need it and the most likely to be hurt by all these, you know, the seventh booster. And this is something Vinay Prasad has been doing a very good job of calling attention to the yes. risk of myocarditis in young men. And this is and I got some blowback for it. I mean, not, nothing. You, you've been there. But, but the <laughs> point is, like, the people who, who were mad that I was criticizing this were like, the vaccines have saved far more people than um, they've hurt. And um, many more people get myocarditis from the vaccine than get it uh, or, or they get it, get it from COVID, then get okay. it from the vaccine. Okay. And my point has been, okay, at this point in 2023, almost 2024, everyone's had COVID. Correct. These vaccines don't prevent the spread. So Correct. if you have natural immunity, why? The, and most people have had shots. So yeah. at this point, if you are a 19-year-old man who's looking up to Travis Kelsey, you may have had a vaccine and you almost definitely had COVID. Why the hell would you get another booster increasing your risk of heart scarring? Why would you do that? Well, there's a lot packed into that. And and let me just conclude my my little diatribe about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I'm not fans of those medicines. I don't think they do much. We have a different medicine that works like crazy. I use it in my old elderly patients all the time. It is called Paxlovid. And if you're so worried about having a severe episode of COVID, and you're a 40-year-old male, let's say, you need not worry about that now because we have Paxlovid. Now, it's only been studied over 60 and 65, but people are using it, middle-aged people, all the time, and it works. So why the push for the vaccine? Why the mandates for the vaccine? And that is the part that is extraordinary. So I want to fill in some of the details of what you were just saying. We don't know. Well, let's say it's true that you're more likely to get myocarditis from COVID than the vaccine, which is not clear. That's not clear. Mm -hmm. Making a healthy person sick because of something, an intervention we do as physicians, do no harm, is completely violated by that principle. It's by the, by the COVID vaccine. You're, you're, the principle is violated. So we are making a healthy person sick. Okay, that is a problem. Number two, it's more common than we thought. And if you remember when they were starting to, this was starting to percolate up, people are like, well, it's mild, it's mild, it's no big deal, it's, it's self-limited, blah, blah. Look, in my world, throughout my entire career, 40-year career, myocarditis is a medical emergency. It's a dire problem. And a publication just came out five days ago in Circulation, a major cardiac cardiology journal. It's called Circulation. An excellent study, and it showed, it took my breath away. I didn't know why it wasn't headline news. I suppose it has to be reproduced, which I totally endorse, but the study itself took my breath away. It was a large study, and it showed that about approximately half of the young males that got myocarditis 
had permanent heart damage. Yep. Permanent. That means that a, we don't know what percentage are going to be disabled by this as they get older or can develop heart failure or going to need cardiac transplants, some of them. Oh it's breathtaking, this study, and why it wasn't a big headline. I've sort of sent it around a little bit because I, I, I don't understand why people aren't reacting to it. And, you know, one study does not truth make, right? You want to be skeptical. You should be. It needs to be reproduced. But this was this was a, a terrible, terrible thing. So my question is, and by the way, just for the full record, my elderly patients are all fully vaccinated, and those that want the boosters, they get the boosters. I've seen almost no adverse event in the elderly patients, so some of them are starting to say that mm, maybe something is going on, but we're watching that. Uh, and they benefit because elderly people have a lot to gain. You're 85 years old and you get COVID. It's a serious thing. Mm -hmm. So the risk of the vaccine is worth it. In a 27-year-old male, the illness is a nothing. So the risk is – so the vaccine is all risk right. why the push why are we pushing and i think put your legal head on for a second that universities are going to be in big trouble for having mandated young people to get that vaccine because I mean, people are going to get sick and they're going to have long-term consequences and they should sue those schools for having forced them to take the take a medical intervention 100 percent, they should sue and if anybody tries to force you from this point forward get a fake card it's not that hard go ahead google it get a fake well, and, card and, and again don't comply we have a good treatment we have paxlovid why and you people have all I'm kinds just saying, of feelings. you have to get you have to say you've gotten the shot to get yeah, in right. get a fake one just mm. google it on the internet it's bullshit and they're going to create these bullshit rules you can create your bullshit way around them it's all just like a theater so let's okay let's act i'll act like i've gotten my 50th booster and you can act like you're satisfied i'm telling you the truth um okay <laughs> Sorry. I, that's how I feel. <laughs> We've got some guests in the studio. They're on my side. <laughs> Just consult with the attorney here if you get in any trouble. Yeah, that's right. I got you. Um, I do want to talk about, you know, deaths because every other week, you know, there's somebody in the news who had like a heart attack and went down on a football mm, field or yeah. you know, a baseball field or yeah. just in the news or what have you, men and women. Mm. And, you know, my friends and I are having this debate. It, you know, is it more than it's ever been? Or are we just seeing it more because of social media and because people are, you know, yeah. they're on edge thanks to all the COVID vaccinations and, and COVID itself. Do you, what's your take on on that? Excess deaths are up. They're up in people under 40. Why are, is this not an international crisis? And, we're, and we, why are we not trying to figure out what is in there in those excess deaths and why are they happening? A guy named Ed Dowd I've been working with on my podcast regularly, and he he's an he's a numbers guy. He's a financial analyst, but he noticed these trends and he has all these actuarial friends and insurance companies friends and they're telling him, oh yes, there's a problem. We're going to be, just look, follow the money. They're going to start charging more insurance to, to compensate for this. So there is something going on. People are quick to dismiss it as, oh, well, of course, the lockdowns caused mental health problems and the substance use and the fentanyl, which surely are in there. But when they have teased it out a bit, that's not all that's in there. That's that's not. There's a lot more stuff going on, and why are people not urgently the the level of by the way excess deaths? It's not like it was during the pandemic, but usually after pandemic, excess death goes down because vulnerable people die in the pandemic, and so ex, those people that would have that died sense. in that following year don't die. But it's stayed gone up and stayed up. It's shocking, what and you... people correlated with the. This is a correlation, not a causation. Be careful, everybody. You can track it to the beginning of the distribution of the vaccine. What do you know about 
blood clots in women because you know there now we are getting reports of irregular menstrual cycles Correct. And Confirmed. like excessive bleeding Confirmed. by women after they take the vaccine even the officials are now acknowledging this and I think you know that gets a lot of women thinking about like if it's changing the blood in my body yeah. and you know does that mean it's changing my clotting and you know boy there's a lot to worry about that, that. I, I first of all I want to talk about the the women part of this because I am dead guilty on this I was talking to Naomi Wolf and she brought this up and I went no Naomi I, women's periods that yeah almost anything changes them come on come on uh, yes they got a treatment and yeah okay. Do you realize how sexist that is when a male does that? It's not I, sexist. It, I, I raised this with Brett Weinstein. I poo-pooed him ra- raising yeah. this early in the pandemic, and I'm pro-woman. Well, well, good. So you're, you're making you're me not, feel better. Yeah, but I felt, I felt not, very guilty for that because I, I was dismissive, and I should have just listened and yeah. take and, – and she's made a lot of it. And it turns out there it's true, number one, and a lot of women are having real concerns about it because it's persistent enough that it's affecting fertility. And the mechanisms are not yet fully worked out. They've found spike protein in the ovaries. They accumulates there. They think that might be part of it. Liquid nanoparticles, the uh, you know the shell of the of the vaccine is also found in the ovaries as well. They're finding, as you're suggesting, microclots in the uterus that might be increasing to the sloughing. We don't know yet because no one's doing the right studies. And there is some. Here's another issue you, you probably don't know, but that has me more as a physician, more almost more concerned than anything. And I've talked to RFK Jr. about this, and he he is clear that this something is up. There is something up with the major medical journals where the editorial process has become adulterated. In my 40-year career, I. I read the medical, I pour over it, I read it carefully. And there's always has been, there has always been a back and forth on any topic in the medical literature. It's not, things don't go automatically to the truth, as we were saying earlier. There's a back and forth in the literature. This is so, it is not so. The look, this data is looking encouraging. This data looks not so encouraging. It has gone one way mm-hmm. since the beginning of COVID. And ne'er the twain shall meet. You're not allowed to bring up anything else. Great example of this was that Danish uh, physician that did the study on uh, the fact that early on in the distribution of the COVID vaccine, 10% of the the, the vials of the product was uh, responsible for 90% of the adverse effects. There was an excellent done study. Wow. It took her two years to get that published. An excellent, they should have been running to try to figure out, well, what, what happened here? What's going on? Why did this happen? Instead, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Nothing to see here. Well, so a, there's something up. So you've got the medical journals yeah. for sure. I mean, we saw that just in the, you know, willingness to run cover for Dr. Fauci. No lab leak. No lab leak. Well, no, that, that's that was nature, though. That was that was a scientific journal. But Lancet publishing that article. What was it? Where they had they invented an organization that it was nonsense. Total nonsense. So you've got those those publications. Yeah. You've got, of course, the New York Times and the mainstream media. That's still that's still you know it's still controversial for me to say why is he being a Pfizer poster boy? You know that why is he telling young men that they need their six booster it's it's bs no all the pushback you're not allowed to say that um and that that leads us and not to mention the undermining of public health trust you know that's gone and, so, and like i said earlier the, the media i don't trust anything now about, about israel <laughs> i can't right. trust anything about anything right so the the hangover yep. from the dishonesty here yep. is it's still with us yeah. oh. to the point where you sat down and said my first instinct is are they trying to hurt me what yeah. are they who, what are they, what are they to doing to me? me they're manipulating me what are they doing right. what are they doing to me right. they, I, I feel manipulated what, what's happening so if you were let's say you know we get a different president elected there in 2024 and they called you up and said dr drew how do we rebuild this oh is there is there a way is it too late well rfkj needs to win 
well, he said something that caught my attention. I, again, I, I don't know who I want to vote I'm, I'm so moderate. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm swimming in all this myself. I can't pick a direction, frankly. But he said something that caught my attention. He said, I'm going to call the three major medical journals in, and I'm going to say, I'm going to prosecute under the RICO laws unless you clean this up and tell me exactly why you've been this way and what's going on and what's motivating you and what your financial interests are and who's been muscling you. And then I'll think about not prosecuting you. Oh. That's exciting. That's good, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a lawyer, so he, he could still do it. Even if he's not president, by the yeah, way, you right? Know, so, but well, and you know, at least DeSantis said he would make him in charge of some agency or use him in a, in the DeSantis administration. I don't know about Trump; they're getting ready to unleash hell on RFKJ with some sort of Oppo research dump because uh, he's worried about him stealing from him if he becomes the GOP nominee as oh running an independent or you know, libertarian, mm. what have you. In any event, um, I'm actually, I'm I, to full disclosure, I'm moderating a panel with him on October 28th in San Jose with him and Asim Malhotra. Have you interviewed? to see me, a cardiologist who started raising the flags about the cardiac effects of the vaccine early. And so So I'm interested in what you just said. Are you are you considering voting for Joe Biden? No. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, how I'm, ca- how I'm sort of I, I'm sort of considering not voting, I think is what, <laughs> I, I'm, what I'm considering. I know. Really. You I, I don't yeah. feel like I'm I, I, I just feel awash in all of this. Steyerwalt was on the show last week and he said, Chris Steyerwalt, and he said, uh, there's a Republican Party, and there's a Democrat Party, and then there's a certain amount of Americans in the I want to puke party. He, he, that's me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been independent for a Good long time. I've, I've, in California, you can you can re-register every 10 minutes if you want. So I've registered all over the place many, many times. <laughs> but I've generally been independent. The problem with independent is they stick you in the independent party, which is a different thing. You have yeah. to really then make you can't sure vote you- in primaries. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I just I I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at the excesses on both sides and I'm want to puke. I know. So. The thing is, it's like I, you know, I've got my problems with Trump for sure. You know, his temperament, uh, you know, infamously, that's what I asked him about. And that's one of them. But you think about what's happening right now with Israel. And like, does anybody believe this would have happened had Trump been in office? I don't believe that for one second. Yeah. I think or we were safer. It would have been different. That's for sure. They're afraid of him. He's too unsteady, which is a good thing when it comes to foreign policy. Yeah. It may not be so great when it comes to his Twitter feed and, you know, keeping the American psyche at ease over the course of the presidency. But when it comes to foreign policy, that same destabilizing effect he has on us, he has on them. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. You know, so I I mean, and but I just feel like with Joe Biden. I feel like his foreign policy has been an absolute disaster. And, I, you know, I've become a single issue voter on the the transing of children, like the, what the, the, the surgeries on children mm. before they hit age 18 just seem absolutely barbaric to me. Well, I, my, my fundamental position on that is that these are medical interventions, the surgeries, the medication, the hormones. These are doctors prescribing, surgeons executing the surgeries. And I've seen them benefit people. I have. I, you, you have to be very open to the idea that, that there are certain people for whom these interventions are beneficial. I've also seen disasters, which means that we aren't getting it right as doctors. We're, we have not picked the right treatment for the right patient. I don't think the doctors are even trying. Most of them are just well, that's even a big. Me. That's a much bigger problem. If we don't get it clear that not every patient is the same, not every treatment is the same. You have to get the right treatment for the right patient in the right order at the right time in their life. And that is on us. And when we do harm, again, this do no, do no harm has been cast out the window uh, in the last five years. It's, it's just, I, I, I live by that and mm -mm, 
that's just simply gone now. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pick a side and pick a narrative and forge on. And that is where people get hurt, both on the COVID side and on the transition side. So rounding back to you know what you were saying about the ongoing depression and so on coming out of COVID and mm-hmm. these sort of deaths of de- despair that we've seen, and now the mm-hmm. Israel thing, people are, I'm sure, feeling down, depressed. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, The news cycle can do that to you. Oh, Never mind your COVID hangover and the changes to your life. So what are people? What should people do? Right? Like, what what are some things they can think about doing? I, I hinted at it earlier, which was uh, spend time with people you care about. Uh, that that is how humans heal. That is how humans find meaning. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. So I've been like trying to avoid my children because I've just been in such a dark mood. I don't want. Well, that's a little different. I don't want to be like the the pig pen cloud over them. Like yeah. it's the world is horrible. No, you know? I, I understand that. I, I spend time with other adults before you go to the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Re- regulate that stuff. But then when I like I sit at dinner with them and I hear about their wonderful lives, my daughter's in a school play, and you yeah. know, like then I. I'm like, oh, yes, this is good. This is good. But I shouldn't speak. I should just let them speak. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And it's few, It's feeding them and you, right? It's doing both. But it's, it's perspective taking. It's, it's, it's being grateful for what you have. It's having faith in something greater than yourself. These are all basic principles that humans need to be healthy. And I've noticed, you know, I come in and out of this city all the time, and I've noticed things are not good here. Things are changing, and I think and the Israel thing put everybody even more on edge. But I also noticed people forging ahead. I, I, I hope they continue, that businesses are still opening. People are going out to the restaurants. People are spending the, that time and breaking bread with other people. That to me, I, it just hit me last night because I was feeling all the negative up until last night. And I was looking around and I thought, no, there's something, there's there's a driving force here. I'm not sure. I'll tell you my full thought. My full thought was that's people in their middle ages. That, that's sort of, it's not the younger folk. They're, they're, I don't know what's going on with them. We got, we got to get them onto the ship here. Of, they need of, to start having more sex. That would help. That would really. I can talk all about that too. They're not having right. any sex. That's what all the studies show. That's correct. It's and, depressing. And it's depressing. It's astonishing. There's a lot. You want us to go down that road because there's a yeah, lot in there. Yeah. How much time do we have, Steve? Just make sure. How, <laughs> Which, I know. Two minutes. Okay. Two minutes. Hold number two. He's good. So, so because uh, I have you know millennial kids and stuff, and I was around the millennials. It's it started with the males wanting to be good, good guys. They didn't want to be seen as toxic. They didn't want to be seen as predatory. And this was all going on when they were in high school and college. And certainly they wouldn't want to be seen handing a woman a beer or a, a, an alcohol and then talking to them because because they, you could be seen as predatory. And as a result, they missed some of the milestones of development, mm-hmm. of forming relationships, of learning how to date. These are healthy things that they just missed because they were just honkered down and frightened and fearful of being seen as somehow toxic, a toxic male. They, I started seeing some things happen a few years ago. By the time they hit their sort of mid to late 20s, they would get obsessed about somebody. They didn't know how to sort of measure a relationship and whether right. it's going to work they would just start they become their best friend and start stalking to them any of you in your 30s that has a best friend male he's stalking you trust oh, me is he is there's a lot of that involved not that he's a bad stalker he's a good stalker <laughs> but but he's really wants to be a your boyfriend and he doesn't know how to do it and so this is this is all what's underneath some of that and of course having sex then is ultimately how they get themselves in trouble so they're very careful about that mm. well i mean look i 
I like a committed relationship. I don't. I don't. I know. Yeah, me too. No, no. You know, like, but you to get there, you have yeah. to be, be learn how to form and break relationships and know who you no, are. No, but this is what I'm going to say. Like, just because, like, if you're worried about seeming toxic, get to know the girl, yes. take her out on dates, like, get, develop a relationship. Already bad. Right? Date the word date. No, oh, no, no, no. We don't God. do that. We don't do that. And by the way, you also need to have your heart broken. It's an important part Correct. of becoming a functioning adult yes. and Correct. developing empathy and cutting you down from being thinking you're all that in a biscuit right you need to like have a couple of humbling experiences oh, along yes. the way oh, yes. whether they're in the bedroom or on the way correct <laughs> dr drew is so fun yes. thank you thanks Pleasure. for helping us laugh and so so moment. great to see you in person of all this time so likewise privilege. uh and don't forget to to tune into the dr drew show he had rob schneider on there yesterday who also got in trouble in the COVID we, nonsense. We went over the New York Times article that it vilified both of us and we were right on every single point. Um, it was crazy. Right again. Yeah. All right, Dr. Drew, all the best. Great to see you. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.